Patrick Egan was a housing contractor, and he also had this hobby. He liked to fly little remote control airplanes. One day, he put a camera on the airplane, starts to fly it around and take pictures, and he wonders, is there some way I can make money with this? It's kind of an odd thing to think about. I mean, who exactly is going to be interested in taking photos from 10 stories up? Well, it turned out there were people interested in doing just that. People trying to sell condos, condos that hadn't even been built yet. It, what, it, what it basically was is what the view would be like out of your condo. Egan would go out to these construction sites that were still vacant lots. He'd send his drone with a camera up into the air. And by drone, I mean basically it's a five-pound styrofoam model airplane. And he'd fly it in circles up in the empty air at 10 stories up, 15 stories up, however high the building was supposed to go. And he'd click pictures all the way up. The people trying to sell the condos, they had these mock-ups of the rooms on the ground, you know, like a room with a couch and a fake fern. And they'd paste these photos that were taken with the drone into the windows so they could simulate what the whole room would look like to try to sell you a condo on the 10th floor or the 15th floor. It's got a better view. So they'd show the mock-up and they'd be like, and this is what it would look like if you spent $100,000 more. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so write us a deposit check. And they were getting checks like hotcakes. I mean, it was on, my pictures were on billboards and uh, all kinds of stuff. And so I was like, wow, you know, okay, this isn't bad. Egan was getting paid. And it turns out there are lots of people like Patrick Egan, entrepreneurs who'd come up with clever, sometimes kind of crazy ideas to make money using drones. There were farmers who wanted to spot little aphids on their soybean plants. There were ranchers who wanted to find lost cows. There were advertising crews wanting to film shiny cars cruising on windy roads. There was just one little problem. According to the Federal Aviation Administration, all these people, they are all breaking the law. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum and you, you are Steve Hen. I am. I cover technology for NPR, but now I am joining the Planet Money team. Woohoo! Today on the show, the tiny flying robots are proliferating, but who owns the air? If you buy a house, you know you own the ground, but what about the space above it? Who exactly owns that? This odd question, it turns out people have been trying to work out an answer to this question for a long time. David, did you ever take Latin? No way. I did not. <laughs> Me neither. But there's this Latin phrase that's relevant here. You know, I'm not sure I'm even pronouncing this right. This is Stuart Banner, a law professor at UCLA. Cujus est solum, uh, aegis et est usque ad coelum. Translation, he who owns the soil owns up to the heavens. Basically giving homeowners claim to stars and planets across the universe. <laughs> Stuart Banner wrote about this in a book called Who Owns the Air? And he says for centuries, English common law was built on this idea. You own the land, you own the space above it. The earliest cases involved things like um, overhanging tree branches, um, uh, buildings that were built uh, lopsided, so they leaned into the, the neighbor's airspace and so on. When disputes were over tree branches, this maxim worked pretty well. It made sense. It made sense until the hot air balloon and eventually the airplane. Was it okay to have these things up in the air if people on the ground owned up to the heavens? A hundred years ago, a lot of people were worried about this. You know, lawyers, of course, but also in just general interest magazines and newspapers, all sorts of debates about whether aviation would even be possible just because, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't a, uh, an aviator be trespassing uh, everywhere, everywhere that he flew? 
there were all sorts of proposals to solve this. Including, you know, ideas that sound pretty silly in retrospect, like, you know, making, making airplanes fly above streets rather than above private land. That, that didn't work out, uh, obviously. In theory, airlines could have worked out contracts to pay each landover they fly over a small amount. But that was just impractical. And unnecessary, really, because landowners were not out there jumping up and down saying, hey, that's my property up there in the sky. Farmers were fine with hot air balloons drifting over their fields. If an airplane flew by, people would just point at it and wonder, look, an airplane. And so in 1926, the government just takes the airspace. The government lays claim to the heavens. Congress creates what today we call the FAA and declares that the air above the minimum safe altitude of flight is a public highway and part of the public domain. Basically, what this means is that in most places, if you're flying 500 feet above the ground, you're fine. You're flying through public property. That old idea of landowners owning the space above the ground, that fades away. And for a while, everyone seems okay with this, except there is this one guy who is not okay with it at all. Thomas Lee Cosby. And really, the problem is that it's not okay for his chickens. Cosby was a chicken farmer who lived near the sleepy little civil airport in Greenboro, North Carolina. During World War II, the army took over the airport. And suddenly, these big military planes were flying over Cosby's chicken coops all the time. And they come in just 83 feet above the ground, right over the top of his barn. And they are literally scaring his chickens to death. The chickens hear these planes, they see the lights, and they panic. They would fly into the walls of the coop and die. Cosby had to give up chicken farming. So Cosby sued, and this case about chickens scared to death goes all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Cosby argues, in effect, that the federal government took his property by flying planes so low over his land. And the Supreme Court? It is in this really awkward spot. The justices don't want to give a chicken farmer control over airplanes, but they feel like he has a point. They want to give him something. Here's what Justice William Douglas writes. If a landowner is to have full enjoyment of the land, he must have exclusive control of the immediate reaches of the enveloping atmosphere. Otherwise, buildings could not be erected. Trees could not be planted. Even fences could not be run. Very nice. Basically, chicken farmer wins. But how high does it go? Like, how much air above his head does he now own? Clearly not to the heavens, right? And the court actually put a number on this. The number was 83 feet. That is how far above the ground those planes were flying that scared his chickens to death. It's about the height of a medium-sized maple tree, 83 feet. But the thing about this decision is while it solved this particular chicken problem, it created a big new one. It left this gap, this unclaimed territory in the air. Remember, the government had laid claim to airspace 500 feet up and higher. That was a public highway. The Supreme Court now said that below 83 feet, that belonged to the chicken farmers or whoever owned the land. But who controlled the space in between? The space above 83 feet, but below 500 feet. There are 417 feet in there. Who owned that? That was left vague. And for years, it didn't really matter. No one really cared about that 417 feet of unclaimed air. After all, who would ever want to fly something so close to the ground? No one. Until now. Until drones. Whenever there is unclaimed territory and the means to occupy that space, it's kind of an American tradition. You will find pioneers trying to stake a claim. Paul, that's going to go right over your head, man. Right. You don't mind. I'm... As long as it doesn't go on my head. No, it doesn't. Meet Cy Brown, a 
electrical engineer, drone entrepreneur, and father. Size from Louisiana, and he's kind of a character. There's this YouTube video of him at a fishing camp with his daughter, Alyssa. They're in a bayou, and there's this big old alligator floating just off the dock. That sound is of Sai sticking his toes in the water and wiggling them around. Is he coming? Luring the gator close. Okay, I'm going to close my eyes, and you have to tell me whenever he's close enough to bite my toes, okay? Dad. Is he close enough? He's getting close. You're going to scare him. Mm. Oh, here we go. Oh, oh. At the very last second, he kicks the gator in the head. <laughs> you got him. No, I popped him right on the nose. Do it again. <laughs> well, how about we do it with your toes? This is just the kind of guy Cy Brown is. He's willing to try stuff other people wouldn't do. Things that would never even occur to other people to do. Which is exactly how Cy got into drones. Where he lives in Louisiana, there's this problem. Feral, wild pigs. They're a menace. They run around wrecking everyone's crops. And they are very hard to get rid of because they're hard to find when they're in a giant farm field. So Cy came up with a solution. Sai took a little remote control plane, equipped it with a camera, and this is the key part, several thousand dollars of heat-seeking sensors. He flies the drone over the fields at night, and the drone sends back live video to his laptop. And thanks to the heat sensors, the pigs are now easy to spot. You can tell if there are five or six pigs hiding in a field, even when the rice is high, and you can tell exactly where they're hiding. About uh, 50 yards down to the left, or to the west of that ditch that you in, there looks like there's two pigs. He's talking on a walkie-talkie here to his partner, James, who's in a field with a high-powered rifle. Pig in the tracks with you. Hey, we'll get him. Yep, he's down. Cy has a name for his invention, the Dehogaflyer. Our entrepreneur had found his opening. Cy started a company called Louisiana Hog Control. He got a decal for his truck, and... Things looked promising. The USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, liked Sai's idea. They wanted to copy it. Sai appeared in Time magazine and The Economist and on TV stations and newspapers. But when I called Sai last month to ask if he'd take me hunting, he said no. He said the dehogifier had been grounded. I asked him what was going on, and he kind of paused. This man who sticks his bare feet in the bayou and wiggles his toes to tease an alligator, he told me I'd have to talk to his attorney which I did, but his attorney wouldn't talk about Sai's case. He did say, though, that many people who fly drones have been getting letters. Letters from the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration. We got a couple of these letters, and I have one here. This one is to a commercial photographer in California, and weirdly it is, it's kind of, it's, it's chatty. It's, it begins, my name is Brad Howard. It goes on to say, I recently viewed your website while I applaud your innovative use of the UAS I must inform you the FAA has taken steps to ensure the public safety regarding all UAS operation. UAS is unmanned aerial system. The FAA, normally in charge of all things above 500 feet, is now worried about what's going on below. And this letter just kind of highlights the oddness of the situation here. 
Remember, the FAA is used to regulating 20-ton airplanes filled with hundreds of people hurtling through the air at 600 miles an hour, 30,000 feet above the ground. They make sure pilots are trained and well-rested. They make sure planes meet safety standards. Apparently, they now have similar concerns about tiny little drones. The letter goes on to note that drones are not, quote, manufactured or maintained to the standards of manned aircraft, and that most pilots wishing to fly drones, quote, are not trained, certified, or familiar with the rules of the air. And it tells the photographer he has to shut his drone down. So there is now this big fight over this unclaimed window of airspace. Cy, the pig exterminator, would love to use it. The FAA is saying, well, wait. And the rest of us are left here on the ground asking that question that we had at the beginning. Who controls the air? 68 years ago, it was a chicken farmer who led the charge for landowners under airplanes. In the drone era, it's people who enjoy sunbathing in the backyard or people with big windows. Michael and Laura Kirshner have a big window. They live in a beautiful spot in San Francisco. You have a view that reaches all the way out to the Golden Gate Bridge. You can see the Pacific Ocean. You can see the mountains. Michael Kirshner talked to our colleague and friend, Laura Seidel, and he told her one day a drone appeared outside that window and appeared to be staring at his wife. She got me and I came out and then she started like hiding behind furniture because something's looking in at you, right? And you're, you're very self-conscious about that all of a sudden. And I found myself doing the same thing. You're hiding behind your own furniture in your own house where you just had privacy prior. He says he didn't know what to do. I mean, what do you do? You call the FAA? Do you call the cops? They decided to go public. In fact, lawmakers are hearing lots of stories like this. Last year, 43 state legislatures considered bills trying to regulate drones. So the Kirshners were on their own trying to figure this out. Inevitably, you go down the path of if it comes again, how are we going to get it out of the sky? Right? Like, can we throw things at it? Can we shoot water at it? The best idea I came up with was to buy some kind of remote control device and ram into it. And honestly, the best approach to this problem is totally unclear. I mean, it's not even clear if the drone was invading their property by peering in their window. Lots of things are unclear. Will size dehogifier fly again? If so, when? Right now, we're in a situation no one is happy with. Everyone is waiting for someone, Congress, the courts, the FAA, really anyone, to spell out exactly what the rules are, to answer the question of how this unclaimed window of airspace can be used. Patrick Egan, the guy who was taking pictures with his drones to help sell condos, he also got a call from the FAA telling him to stop until the rules could be sorted out. They told him that would take about two or three months. But it was seven years ago, and he's still waiting. Get up, get down. Get up, get down. Feel the general tension stop. See the next one waiting. Get up, get down. Get up, get down. We'd love to hear from you. You can send us email, planetmoney at npr.org. Thanks to Damiano Marchetti for mixing today's show. And if you're interested in more stories about drones, the folks at All Tech Considered have been reporting on this for the last two weeks. There are great things up there. Check it out. I'm David Kestenbaum. I'm Steve Henn. Thanks for listening. Get up, get